so we are here. This is very exciting. We are here to talk about the latest episode of Star Trek Discovery. This is episode four called The Butcher's Knife Cares Not for the Lamb's Cry, which I think is a pretty good title there. And uh, so uh, my friend Tom is here to talk about the episode with me. Hey, everybody. Yeah. So uh, this uh, was kind of, in my opinion, sort of a like one of those sort of probably probably look back at the end of the season and see this is sort of more of a filler episode not one of the like big big episodes but uh uh i certainly enjoyed it there were some things we'll talk about that i that i kind of had questions about and uh so it'll be fun uh but what did you think of this episode um yeah i did kind of have that have that filler feeling about it um boy the boy is the title long it's um the only the only Star Trek episode title longer is for the world is hollow and I've touched the sky. Um, and, uh, yeah, I was thinking about that when I was looking at the, <laughs> looking at the, uh, at the title there, but anyway, yeah. um, yeah, no, it does have kind of a filler feeling. I think it's the, the main thing there here is that it's, um, we're progressing through, a from one plot point to another, right? We've, we've had the, the setup and the introduction of the conflict and now our hero is or heroes are groping through trying to find the solution and um maybe they'll succeed maybe they'll fail but like it's it's kind of that we're just seeing what they're they're taking a crack at it they're in the wanderer phase of the hero's journey yeah yeah this is just getting some of the puzzle pieces together uh, but they haven't quite solved anything yet <laughs> yeah yeah although although they, that that's not to say there weren't some interesting revelations and yeah true new developments yeah so i all in all i felt i do have one uh you know kind of gripe i guess that maybe is a little sjw about it but we'll talk about but uh that, that kind of annoys me about the show but um uh but yeah so basically last time we saw this uh monster that uh was on this the ship the glen that uh was it sort of felt a little bit sort of an alien feel last last episode yeah and so now they have this monster a creature whatever you want to call it and uh they Lorca wants to like use the monster to the creature to uh weaponize it uh in order to defeat the Klingons and uh yeah what do you what do you think of got a lot of more of Lorca this episode and sort of what do you think of this sort of setup yeah, well, his single-mindedness is interesting, um, and uh, Lorca's single-mindedness, that is. And it, um, yeah, it's it does feel like the darkest we've ever seen, like a Starfleet admiral or captain behave mm-hmm. um, in terms of like, I don't care about its welfare. Don't give a crap as long as it benefits my mission, which is to win a war. Now. You know, on the one hand, you want someone, when there's a war going on, when you're actually being threatened, you want someone who's like that. You want someone who's thinking in terms of just win, just end this so that, so that it's over as quick as possible. Um, mm-hmm. On the other hand, um, war has a cost, and one of those costs is, you know, if you're not careful, you can lose your humanity. You know, there's an old quote that goes something like, you know, the only thing that approaches the horror of losing a war is winning one. Mm. Uh, because of what you are at the end, you know, and I take that to mean you know, that's because of what you are at the other end of it. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've only really all that familiar with the movies, but it does feel very different to me as far as this, the emphasis on this war. Is that something I know a lot of fans are really bothered by that. Does that something bother you uh, for Star Trek? Uh, I, it, <clears throat> I think. Yeah, one thing I, I guess I, I am missing is, and I think I talked about this before, is that this Starfleet is not the Starfleet I want to join. Mm-hmm. You know, Star, this Starfleet, is, this ship is not the ship I'm, I want to fantasize about living aboard and working on. Yeah, that's and, and true. That TNG and even the original series to some extent had that, and Voyager, those all had that appeal to it. Like you wanted to live that life and hang out with these people. Yeah. Um, you do not have that feeling here. But I do like the the sense of them being sort of, our heroes sort of being um, embattled. It's like they're stuck in a, in, uh, a universe where everything has really gone wrong. Um, you know, it's, it's, um, you know, it's like, uh, maybe I can compare it to Superman and Batman. Like um, we're used to Superman. We're used to Superman operating in a world where everybody pretty well agrees that um, just injustice is bad and justice is good. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, whereas Batman operates embattled. He's the only guy in Gotham or one of the only guys in Gotham who give a crap about justice. Everybody else is just out for themselves. And it's a, you get the sense that it's this nightmare fueled, you know, dystopia. Um, and he's the only bright light, you know, in the, in the center of all that chaos. Well, they we're getting that feeling in discovery that mm. Burnham and, and Tilly and Stamets are all like the three, that the three of them are the, are the only ones sort of clinging to the old ways as well as they can um, just to kind of get through it. Hmm. Cause I would say that, uh, Oh gosh. I mean, the, um, the cat, the officer that's, um, also my, uh, Saru, I would say he's the one that's the most clinging to the old ways. No, I guess, but he, to some extent, but he's, he's, to him, the old ways are less about ethics and more about the org chart and, Mm. um, and about like he, he, his, his ethos is if I follow the rules and stay in place, I'll be okay. Mm -hmm. But I think we're starting to see that he's troubled by that the the developments so, so far in the, in the war are starting to disrupt that belief. Mm. Um, like where, where, you know, um, Burnham tricks him into coming down to take a look at the monster. And when he realizes that it, uh, he's been tricked and that she doesn't, doesn't really want to apologize. He's like, Oh, you'll fit right in with Lorca. You'll mm-hmm. fit right in with these people. You, you're, you know, you're cunning and deceitful. Um, I think he's starting to get that. Um, the, the old established order won't save him necessarily. Um, and it's, I think it bothers him. So it'll be interesting to see what his character goes through. Yeah, it will be really interesting. That was an interesting scene where he was, it was kind of heartbreaking in a way when he realized, uh, I don't know, there's just an innocence about him, I think. Sure, yeah. Mm -hmm. And it does seem, again, I I only know from the movies, but uh, I haven't seen much of the TV show, but um, it does seem a little bit more cynical than some of the other even the bad Star Trek movies are, are typically a little more hopeful than this series seems to me to be so far. Yeah, I think the world in which it's set is, is kind of cynical. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, the, I think Burnham is fighting for a, um, 
a fighting for an approach that, um, you know, we'll, we'll renew, I think we'll eventually renew Starfleet. I think, you know, my, my um, completely uneducated, um, unqualified opinion is that um, she, uh, is that she's destined to become the captain of this ship. Um, and once Starfleet, but that that's only once Starfleet gets over, gets over this, mm-hmm. gets past this um, really dark period. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see. So basically, there's a lot of the Klingons in this episode, and yeah. they have, uh, they're trying to attack this colony, or they have attacked it, and uh, they have attacked it, and uh, the. I was a little confused. Okay. There, so there's these spores yeah. and the Stamets uh, doesn't want to make, there's like a long jump in order to get to the colony or something. And they have to use the spores. I, have we seen these spores before? I was a little bit confused with the spores. Well, yeah, we saw them in, um, in the last episode, but that was our, there? that was our introduction to them. I guess I forgot that <laughs> part of the last episode. I was just kind of like, what are these things? I don't even remember. And, uh, and so they allow you to jump or something. Are they a power or I know yeah, I was well, a little bit confused yeah, about the spores. Yeah, there's, well, don't feel, don't feel bad because most of us are. Um, <laughs> I, uh, based on a conversation on after Trek last night, they hinted that in the next episode, we'll get some more nuts and bolts about how, the spores are the spores are help, supposed to help you instantaneously materialize in another part of the galaxy. Oh, okay. We don't know really know why. We know that it has something to do. Well, we know that Stamets kind of has a a monologue where he talks about how bio on the the quantum level biology is indistinguishable from physics um, because it's all the same subject. Mm-hmm. Right? Once you get small enough, it's all the same stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and apparently these spores have something to do with them being able to do this. Now, um, it turns, yeah. And it turns out that, you know, burn in this episode, Burnham is able to puzzle out what that creature was doing on the ship and, um, uh, what its function was and using it, they were able to, um, as a sort of navigation computer, they were able to, uh, save the colonists, save the miners. Mm-hmm. Okay. It, it just has some kind of energy sort of about it, it seems like. Cause or, it was, it, cause, or it taps into, or yeah, or it taps into the, the galaxy in some, you know, okay. way that causes you to play with toy with space time. Because yeah, it, was, it was calming the, the beast, the mm-hmm. creature. Uh, so it had some kind of energy to it of some kind. Uh, so we get this Commander Landry and she uh wants to like keep going she doesn't want to you know she's frustrated with this creature and so she wants to uh, use this uh, gun to sedate him Uh and uh burnham tries to stop her and say uh you know (laughs) we don't know what will happen if even when he gets this the sedation material in his, in him we don't know how he'll respond to it uh but um anyway she goes in and he you know escapes and freaks out and kills her yep. and this kind of this is where i get my sjw moment i guess because i'm just a little frustrated because uh i was hoping that this show would be a little more progressive because 
and not in a pushy way or annoying way or whatever, but just in an empowering way, uh, because you had two, uh, cap, you know, two captains, leaders, whatever, uh, you know, to start off, one of them's already dead. Uh, and uh, another has been imprisoned and is, is kind of now led by, you know, Burnham is now sort of led by two white men. And now you have this other <laughs> woman of color that's immediately killed. And I'm just kind of like, uh, <laughs> it just kind of, kind of annoys me. I mean, I, I just, I knew as soon as I, I was like, oh, she's a goner. Uh, <laughs> I just felt like, and I don't know. So that's, am I, am I being too sensitive? Or do you think I'm... Oh, maybe. Yeah. I, the thing is that the, the thing about it is that the way that Star Trek treats um, identity politics is that once you're in that, once you're in the world of Star Trek, your identity doesn't matter. And that's why, that's what makes it progressive is that it doesn't matter literally nobody cares mm. whether you're white black white whatever there's no there's no like a, it's sort of the it's sort of it's sort of colorblind um mm-hmm. there's there's no um there's there's no or very little sense of like um uh like oh well the the white people used to you know uh used to uh, mistreat mexicans so we got we can't you know, a Mexican person can't be seen to be uh, in a, in danger while the white person survives. Like it that mm-hmm. it, within the world of Star Trek, like when Captain Janeway was was uh, you know in charge of Voyager, no one on the ship, nobody was like, well, now that we have a lady captain, you know, now that we have a woman captain, um, we better you know try to adjust to how she wants to do things because she's the lady captain and everything. It'll be different. I'm used to male captains. I've never had a female captain. Nobody wow. says that. Interesting. Okay. Nobody ever says that. The only people who ever bring it up are are uh, sexist aliens. We're like, I'm not dealing with a woman who's who's really in charge, you know. Um, but mm-hmm. on the ship, no one is like, no one even thinks about it. No one bats an eye. Hmm. Okay, that's interesting to know. I didn't know that. You have the creature being sent to to engineering, and they're like trying to connect it to like. Uh, to use it for navigation purposes because of the uh, apparently the energy of it or something like that. <laughs> yeah, apparently. And this allows them to jump to the colony and uh, save the colony. So there you go. Did they have too much of the Klingons? You felt like this episode. There's a um, lot of subtitles. <laughs> no, actually, they they kind of had to to catch up. I felt a little okay um, because. Um, they we didn't see them at all in the last episode we had no mm-hmm. idea what was going on so we actually kind of needed to catch up there was some setup in the first two episodes with them quite a lot actually and we're trying to get a feel for like okay what's going on in the empire and what's what are the power dynamics and what um what's this story about why did we meet these klingons because if they were you know if we met them then we need to then they're important to the story so yeah, we need to know what's going on. Yeah, for people who have a hard time with subtitles. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, I, I don't. I, I watch a lot of foreign films and stuff, so I didn't have a problem with it. No, I, I know I you thought, don't. I just, you I know, just I thought there was, there was a lot. <laughs> I just know that some people are like, oh, I, don't, I didn't come here to read. You know, I know some people <laughs> don't like it. And that's, yeah. I'm not looking down on that. I'm just saying, <laughs> well, you know, this is one of those. You're going to struggle. Yeah. Do they typically have 
the Klingons speak Klingon? I can't remember in the movies if that was always the case. Uh, oh. It kind of depends. Um, at least in bits, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, so basically, like, there's these these people, these characters that are battling it out amongst the Klingons. Uh, one wants to mutiny, one wants to uh, the, be more... Um, I guess bold. I don't know. And uh, anyway, so they're battling it out, and uh, one of them gets basically like exiled, and uh, so. Yeah, Vok, the albino, yeah, yeah who is yeah. kind of the heir apparent to to Kuvma. Um, yeah. And uh, so he's kind of he he's he's got a belief uh, in what Takuma was talking about, about uniting all Klingons and reaching out and uniting the empire. Um, and uh, all that seems to be mm-hmm. dissolving between his fingers. Yeah. So basically by the end, Laurel and, uh, and Volk are, um, are kind of now separated from, they've sort of formed two sort of groups, kind of. Well, two sort of ideas. No, she um, ends up joining him at the end, remember? Yeah. Um, but it's but we're, it's a little iffy because it's like, wait, whose side is she really on? Because she appear, appears to betray him at one point, right? So, um, we're she's kind of a wild card, mm-hmm. and also a, possibly a romantic interest for Volk. So, mm-hmm. yeah, but like the two of them are sort of one group, and then you've got the uh, the, the Cole and his. Sort yeah, of Cole from the House their of their group. Yeah, yeah. Um, as a as a, a fan, I um, I, I got excited about uh, and him t- Cole because he's from the House of Core, and Core is a uh, the first Klingon we meet in in the original series. Mm. Um, and uh, he's great. He's a delight. Like like he's he's one. He's my favorite Star Trek villain easily. Mm. Because uh, he's just got such a wicked, crafty smile. Go watch, um, for those who aren't caught up on original series, go watch, um, oh, what is the name of that? Oh, uh, I cannot believe I, I'm forgetting this. It's a, It takes place in Organia. I'll look it up. But um, while I'm looking it up. Mm-hmm. So have the design of the Klingons, uh, have, have they grown on you a little? I mean, you weren't super opposed to them to begin with, but... Uh, what do you think about them now? Do you feel like you've gotten more accustomed to them? I know it's pretty different. No, yeah, I'm still getting used to them. I kind of, I kind of mm. wish they they had hair. I don't know why they have to be bald, mm. but um, and maybe it's cheaper that way. <laughs> I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but they are interesting, and I do like the clothing, and I do like the, um, mm-hmm. I do like the ships and stuff. That was an interesting thing they had on After Trek uh, about the clothing, the different. Uh, the they had the costume designer on there talking about the uniforms and uh the other costumes and uh mm-hmm. had the different colors that they used and the different symbols and everything so i thought that was interesting uh, they've obviously made a great attention to detail on this show oh yeah more so than ever honestly mm-hmm. even into next gen and ds9 the klingon costumes were kind of cheesy and kind of lazy mm-hmm. um, now they looked cool when they first appeared in the eight in the mid 80s it looks cool compared to, um, you know, the pajamas that we saw in the original series, but um, th- those 
yeah, you can't bring those back. Sorry, they're done. You know, mm -hmm. um, these 3D printed, like incredibly intricate and detailed suits of armor and stuff are just, mm -hmm. yeah, it's just eye candy. Well, and in the the crew, the whole like red shirt thing has become such a joke that like you definitely couldn't do that. Like I like the fact she said that that uh, uh, there was like gold for the for the captain, silver trimming. Uh, on the on the outfits for the the officers for science, and, yeah yeah and then there was something different for engineering and then for medical there's right. different uh that was white and right. uh, copper for engineering and security yeah and, copper and for, for med medical yeah that's right it was, it was cool it was interesting so, well yeah if you look at actually the the um those that metal those metallic colors um have a lineage to um the original pilot the cage um, if you ever watch that, the, oh. um, the, yeah, the colors like of the that. uniforms are a little bit more muted uh, and um, metallic looking. Hmm. It, Spock, is, for instance, is not so much wearing a, a blue shirt as he is kind of a silver hmm. um, and, and so on. So like the, and the, the engineering guys, it's not so much red. It's not really red. It's kind of a, a dull copper. So yeah, it sort of hmm. fits this, which that's supposed to take place, by the way, at the same time, like within a few years. It's supposed to be happening at the same time. So, hmm. Okay, I didn't know that. That's interesting. I I have seen that the cage. I liked it very much. It was really good. Yeah, so. it's one of one of the best ones, and it was the first out of the gate. So there you go. Yeah. So all right. Well, I think we covered pretty much everything. So uh, next week it, it is called "Choose Your Pain," which I think I actually really dig all the titles this season i think they're they're yeah they're bringing it with the titles yeah they really are it's very descriptive uh so that will be next week uh and uh should be should be a lot of fun what would you uh would i guess you like the uh, binary ranking system so do you give this a smile or a frown this episode <laughs> um <laughs> smile yeah uh, it's no there's there's a, a lot to sink your teeth into there's stuff about i, I love how they um burnham talks about like um, uh, you know, a, a creature is what it is, not what you see, you know, and, and that's how it is with everybody you meet. There's, they aren't who you see. They are so much more complicated than you could detect. Yeah. The dialogue really, was, really cool. was pretty good. I thought this episode, I, we haven't really talked about that, but I, I thought there were a bunch of quotable quotes. I have to say, I wish I'd, I, 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 I don't know. I, I should have written more of them down, but I felt like it, it felt uh, I don't know. It was just a well-written script. I thought they they felt authentic to these characters, and uh, like I said, the moments with between Saru and Burnham felt particularly good. But I I bought this uh, Lorca as this captain uh, that uh, was pretty cold and calculating, but still I didn't like hate him, which I think right. takes like good writing and good acting too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So. All right. Well, cool. Well, uh, I would also give it a smile. Uh, you know, if I was doing uh, like one to 10, I'd probably give it like a, a 6.5. So definitely fresh, but like it feels a little filler, but I enjoyed it. So, but yeah, so technically a smile, I guess. But anyway, uh, so look forward to next week and where can people find you? Um, I'd love for you to follow my, um, Twitter feed at happy place poems, uh, poems inspired by Disneyland. If you want to just follow my regular internet blatherings, it's uh, at Almano Roboto on Twitter.
Yeah, sounds awesome. So yeah, you can follow me at Smiling LDS Girl on social media. Make sure to subscribe to Rachel's Reviews on iTunes and give us your reviews. And my, you can read my Blade Runner 2049 review on my blog, uh, 54DisneyReviews.com. And uh, so thanks so much for joining me to talk about this latest episode of Star Trek Discovery. Yeah, it's been fun. Thank you. Yeah.